Thank you for listening to the Adult and Teen Challenge of the Upper Cumberland podcast. A message from Pastor Tim McLaughlin. Praise God. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, and I know that you do, would you open up to John chapter 4? John chapter 4, verse 39. The Bible says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him because of the word of the woman who testified. Father, we just thank You for this day. We thank You for Your many blessings. We thank You for the Word of God that is truth, for the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We thank You for the Spirit of the living God that indwells us. And we just pray that You would lead God and direct our steps today. Let every word that I speak come from You. Let me decrease that You would increase. And Father, I just pray that they not hear me or see me, but they hear You, see You, and be touched by You. For Father, that's the reason that we come, is to be strengthened with all might according to your glorious power. Have your way in this place. We thank you for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Many of you know this story, but I don't want to assume anything, but uh, Jesus is on his way back to Jerusalem, uh, actually back to Galilee, and he's, he's in Judea. He's been in Judea. They've been uh, preaching the word of God in Judea, and uh, uh, they've been baptizing people. They've been down there at the Jordan River in Judea. They've been baptizing And all of a sudden he says, we're going to go back to Galilee. Now, if you've ever looked at a map of Israel, if you have one in the back of your Bible and you you look at that little area, you'd see where he is baptizing. And if you go due north, it'll take you pretty much into Galilee, right to the Sea of Galilee. So here Jesus is. He tells his disciples, he says, we're going back to Galilee. We're going to do some ministry there. So they start walking down their path. And the direct route would be to, to take the Jordan River, follow the path straight up. Kind of be like if I'm sending you to uh, to the other side of Cookville, I would say just get right here on Willow and go directly uh, that direction or something. If I was telling you to go to Tech, go directly north and you'll come right into Tennessee Tech University. But as they get a little further up the river, Jesus all of a sudden he says, I have need to go to Samaria. Now if you look at the Bible and you, you, you kind of look at that, Jesus had to get off and take His disciples off the path. They had to go up towards the Mount of Ebal. They had to go out of their way from where they were going to Galilee. So if I was telling you you're going to Tech, that what you need to do is go directly uh, due north on Willow. But if I gave you directions, said, but really what you want to do is you want to go out here and you want to get on Spring Street and go up to Crescent and take Crescent down, that would be the long way to go. But Jesus had need to make this journey. Everybody with me? Couple, couple of your, hold on now, okay? Jesus had need to do this. Now think about it. so he he goes out of his way, takes the difficult route. And then when he gets to town, he sends his disciples on into town. He says, "You go ahead. I'm gonna sit here and rest." And as he sits there, a woman comes up, and this woman, for 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 all practical purposes, is a harlot, uh, probably an adulterer. She is despised by her own village. Uh, she was looked down upon and talked about by others. Um, she was raised a Samaritan, which back in those days was a race that most people didn't want to have anything to do with, they didn't associate with. Um, she, she was so despised by the community that it was in the middle of the afternoon and she's going out to get water. If you know anything about the, the history of the times, everybody else would go out, the other ladies would go out early in the morning to get their water, but she went out in the afternoon because nobody wanted to be with her. All right? Now, let me ask you this question, and I don't really want you to raise your hand, but uh, is there is there anybody in here that has never sinned before in your life? 
Well, that would be a silly question because all, according to Romans 3.23, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And if we, if we try to convince ourselves, uh, uh, John tells us if we try to lie and say we haven't sinned, we're only fooling ourselves, right? So this lady had sinned, but her sin was one of those, well, I got saved, but then I did. But then I got saved, but then I did. And I've been in churches before where people say, well, you never really got saved. Well, let me just tell you something. I got saved, and then I sinned. I, I, I fell short because I didn't understand some things about discipleship. I, I made a confession of faith because I believed in God. I believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but I didn't completely understand how to walk with God. And so I fell. This woman, I don't know what her belief was. I believe that she believed because if you read the whole story in John chapter 4, she believed in God, but she didn't understand all the things about Jesus. She didn't understand. She knew that the Messiah was coming. She understood about some worship. She believed in Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, but she didn't understand how to live a life that was pleasing to God. And so Jesus has this discussion with her and He begins to talk to her. And one of the things we see that Jesus did not do was He did not continually press on her sin. He talked about love. He talked about worship. He talked about forgiveness. And He shared with this woman some things that stirred in her heart. You know, if you think about this lady, and you think about these ladies, and you think about most of us, you know, none of us woke up one day and said, man, I'm, I'm just going to be a drug addict. I'm just going to be a, 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 an alcoholic. I just think that I'm going to live my life and just be a sinner all my life. And, you know, my goal is to be a criminal and end up in jail. I don't think any of us ever planned that. In kindergarten, when they said, hey, what do you want to be? You know, Johnny says fireman. Robert says, you know, policeman. Uh, somebody might have said politician. Lord, help that kid. And then somebody says, hey, I want to be a drug addict and end up in jail. Man, teacher would have stopped class, talk, taking that person out of the hall and said, no, you don't. But then what we want to do is we want to pick on them when they end up in that position. Because nobody has taught them any better. So we don't know much about this woman. We know that she had five failed marriages. And she know that we know that she was despised. But Jesus sat down and had a conversation with this lady. And the Bible says in John 4.39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in Him, believed in Jesus, because of the word of the woman who testified. She testified. This woman that was despised and hated by all after she had an encounter with Jesus went back into the same town when nobody wanted anything to do with her and she began to share about Jesus and these people paid attention. You know, I'm going to tell you something. There was a time in my life when I was a drug addict and I was an alcoholic and I was violent and nobody would listen to a word I said. They would turn their nose up at me. They would turn their back on me. They didn't want nothing to do with me. You put a tie on me and stick me behind a podium and some of you will listen to me. Why? Because I've got a story to tell. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I was once in darkness, but today I am in the light. I had an encounter with Jesus. This woman had an encounter with Jesus. Church, I want to tell you this morning about the power of your testimony. I want to tell you about the power of your testimony. We, we've all been there. We've all had these issues. That, that We've done some things. But this is the deal. Jesus changed all that. 
The, the word testimony in the Greek is the word martoreo, which means to affirm what one has seen or heard, to give and, and not hold back, and to give a good report. Let me, let me say that again. The word testimony means to affirm what one has seen or heard, to give and to not keep back, to give a good report. What was it that this woman said when she went to the town and talked to everybody else that made them come out and say, we now believe in Him because of her testimony? I believe she had an encounter that she couldn't hold back no matter what she tried. But you've all got a story. I don't know where you were at. Probably one of the greatest stories I ever heard. I was sitting in a, in a little uh, Free Will Baptist church. I'd just gotten saved, hadn't been saved long. It was a rainy Wednesday night. I don't know what it is about rain, but most people don't want to get out in church because they think they're going to melt. So there was probably only about 10 people in the church that night. And they only had two sets of pews. It was a small church. There was one guy in the front row, I think another guy in the third row, and they kind of went back. So there was only 10. So if you can imagine, 10 people spaced out in this section of churches. And the pastor gets up and he opens up his Bible. And he looked around and he just closed his Bible. So we're going to do something different tonight. And he said, I'm going to start right here. And he said, let's just share a testimony about what God's done in your life. And this guy talked about how God delivered him from drugs. And this guy about how God delivered him from alcohol. And this guy how God delivered him from pornography. And it went around the room and everybody had these stories. And I'm sitting in the second row and there's a guy in front of me and I knew his story. He was about 70 years old. He used to make moonshine. He told me many times about how God delivered him. And I knew my story about coming out of North Detroit and the things that I had done. And then there's a woman sitting behind me and I didn't really know what she was going to say because I was just focusing on what I was going to say. And so I hear all these guys sharing their horror stories and then it gets to her and she stands up. She said, I've never smoked. I've never drank. I've never cussed. I've never been in jail. But I was just as lost in going to hell until Jesus set me free. Amen. So church, I don't care where you came from. Don't turn your nose up at anybody because you were a sinner saved by grace just like they were. We've all got a testimony. This woman shared her story. She couldn't hold anything back. And she went into the town and everybody believed. If you have your Bibles, flip over to Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. These were, the Bible says they were, they were bold, but they were uneducated and untrained. Can I just shock you for a second? I might get the hook right now. It'll probably pull me off stage. I've never been to seminary. I did Bible school online. And I shared my story at this church I was at. And a woman came up to me afterwards. And she had this look on her face. She said, Pastor Tim, I never knew that you were a drug addict. I said, ma'am, I wasn't born a preacher. <laughs> but Jesus. These were fishermen. These were uneducated men. They had an encounter with Jesus. The Bible says that they, they, they were walking into the temple. They see a man sitting right there begging for, for, for money. Peter walks up and says, Silver and gold have I none, but in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Man starts walking, starts running around the temple. What would you do if you'd never walked for 30 years? You'd be dancing and shouting and running too. And because everybody's seen what he was doing, 5,000 people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. The Pharisees didn't like it. They go and arrest Peter and John. They take them in. They say, quit preaching about this man Jesus. They say, oh, that ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. They stick them outside and they start talking amongst themselves. They say, man, these men are uneducated. They're fishermen. But truly, they've been with Jesus. 
Acts chapter 4, verse 20, Peter and John responded, We cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. What were they doing? They were sharing their testimony. They were sharing their testimony. I was once a fisherman, but today, man, I walk down the aisle and, 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 and shat my shadow cast on people and they're rising up and walking. I'm casting out demons. I'm telling people about the love of Jesus and people are getting saved. I'm going out to my community. I went back to my dad's fishing boat and I was telling people about the day that Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And I did it, man. We caught so many fish that we almost sank. What was Peter doing? Peter was sharing his testimony. First day he did it, 3,000 got saved. Second time he did it, 5,000 got saved. Church, let me ask you, what are you telling people? Do you come into church on Sunday, all cleaned up, all dressed up, on fire for God, an amen here and there, but then you go back to your job on Monday and you don't tell anybody about what Jesus did? Do you talk about, man, there was this crazy bald-headed guy that was at our church yesterday. He was screaming and hollering everywhere. Let me tell you what Jesus did in my life. Man, I tell you, when I got saved, God delivered me from drugs and alcohol. I remember September of 1998 laying there on the floor of my son's nursery and I had an encounter with Jesus. And I went back to the same dealership where all these men knew me as a drunk. They knew me as a guy that used to cuss and lose his temper all the time. And I walk in there and they just started looking at me going, man, what is wrong with you? Now, at first, they were trying to trick me. They were trying to antagonize me. They were trying to do everything they could to make me fall. After about six months, they, would, they started showing up at work because they knew I'd get there at 7 o'clock in the morning and I'd get my coffee and I'd go in my office and I'd read my Bible. And these guys that used to show up late to work started showing up early and they'd come and they'd knock on my door at 7.30 in the morning and they'd say, hey, Tim, can I talk to you? I was like, well, yeah, come in. And they'd look around, make sure nobody watched them. They'd shut the door. And all of a sudden, it became Father Timothy's confessional. Because they heard my testimony and they knew something had changed in my life. And they wanted change in their life. What about Acts chapter 24? Acts chapter 24, the Apostle Paul goes and, and he's, he's preaching the Gospel. They arrest him. He says, take me to Rome. He said, I want to stand before Caesar. On his way, they stop and he has a, a conversation at a time where he gets to stand and he gets to share his story before King Agrippa. He's standing before an atheist king and he's sharing his testimony. I was once a murderer. I, I, I arrested Christians, but I had an encounter on the road and, and God changed my life. Jesus met with me for three years in the backside of the desert. I began to, to, to share the love of Jesus. I was shipwrecked and I was beaten for preaching the Gospel. But King Agrippa... All I want to do is tell you about the love of Jesus. And I love Agrippa's response in Acts chapter 26, verse 28. He said, Paul, you almost had me persuaded to become a Christian. This was a non-believing king, but because he heard the story, the testimony, he couldn't hold back. Paul couldn't hold it back. He said, I just got to tell you, king, I got to tell you about Jesus. And Agrippa says, man, he says, Paul, you almost had me persuaded. You almost had me locked in. You almost had me, Paul. Church, what are you doing? How are you sharing your story? What are, what are you telling people? Look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Paul starts off, he says, Brother, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Israel that they may be saved. You can actually take the same verse today because we understand that the Bible is, is true yesterday, today, and forever. 
So we can take this out. It says, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for all of you, for all of Cookville, for all of Tennessee, for all, all of the United States, is that people would be saved. Amen. We could do that and not, not hurt the, uh, the gospel one bit. That's what God would like for us to do, is to make this personal. Then he says, I bear witness that they have zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. He said their zeal is not something that they were trained to have. These ladies, they, 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 weren't, they weren't trained speakers. What they, what they declare to you is their witness, their testimony, their love for Jesus. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, we were once trying to do it the legalistic way. But all He wants us to do is to share the love of Jesus with all those that we come in contact with. If you skip on down to verse number 8, it says, but what does it say? The Word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. It is the Word which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. What do we declare, church? What are we preaching? What are we telling people? Do we go to work and talk more about what we watched on television yesterday? Do we go to work and tell people and complain about how bad a service you got at the restaurant? Do we complain about your drive-in? Or do we tell people, man, let me just tell you, do you know Jesus? Let me tell you what Jesus did for me. No, I've already heard your story about how you got saved. No, no, I want to talk about what He just did for me yesterday. Did, did, did Jesus do anything for anybody yesterday? Raise your hand. Amen. Praise God. Is Jesus going to do anything for you today? then you need to go tell people about it tomorrow. That woman, she didn't hesitate. Well, you know, they, they don't like me much. They don't think too highly of me. I mean, I've had five marriages and I'm living with this guy. They don't think much of me. No, she never thought about that. When she had that encounter with Jesus, she got up and she ran right back into the town. And the Bible says that they all believed in Him because of her testimony. I want to charge you this morning, church. I want to encourage you with everything that's within me. The only way... Let me, let me just stop real quick. Let me just pause real quick. About six years ago, I was down in Argentina. And I remember we got there and they had this big, huge revival that they do every year down in Argentina. It's about a three-day revival. You go to three services a day. Um, I mean, a church not like anything we have in the United States. I mean, church will go four, five, six hours. It's amazing. So we got up for the first day Monday morning. And we thought, well, service starts at 8. If we're in line by 7, you know, we got the American mentality. If we get in line by 7, we'll be able to get any good seats. We got out there at 7 o'clock. There were people lined up two blocks to get into the church. We started talking to people and found out they'd been in line since 5.30 in the morning. When's the last time you saw that happen? Brother Jimmy, people waiting in line when you got here this morning? Okay, we'll leave that alone. Anyways, so we, we, we're sitting there and I'm like, man, we're, we're going to be sitting in the balcony in the, in, the, in the cheap seats. 
And all of a sudden, this usher looked down and he saw us. And he comes walking down to all of us gringos. And he says, come, come with me. You know, they speak Spanish. I don't speak no habla, you know. So, come, come, come. I was like, man, all these people said, no, 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 come, 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 come. So we follow him into the church. We walk right past. I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Don't, don't stone us. You know, I'm sorry. We walk right past all these people into the church and walk down and he puts us in the third row. I mean, third row from the stage. Service starts. Worship's going, preaching. I mean, everything was amazing. We left, went to lunch, trying to run back to hopefully get our, our same seats. And we come walking in, there's an usher standing right by our, our, our pew. He saw us walking. He said, man, why are you saving us seats? I mean, there's, I'm talking, there were 4,000 people in this church. Why are you saving us seats? So we go and we sit. Church went on. It was great. Left, went for dinner, came back for the evening service. Usher standing right there. So the next morning we come back and I thought, well, that was yesterday. We'll see what happens today. Usher standing right there. I'm sitting there. I'm on the end of my, end of my uh, pew. And I'm thinking, man, uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, what, what are we doing sitting here when all these people? Pastors up there, he would preach in Spanish and they would have an English interpreter. He was bilingual. He would preach in Spanish, had an English interpreter, but if he wanted to go English, he could turn it that quick. He's up there, man. He's just giving it everything he's got. And he stopped. And he looked and he pointed right at me and said, you want to know what you're doing on the third row, don't you? Yes, sir. He said, if we want Jesus to come back, how many of you want Jesus to come back? He said, if we really want Jesus to come back, he said, America holds the key. He said, you've got the satellites, you've got the radio, you've got the television, you've got the finances to get the gospel out all around the world. America Holds the key. Church, what am I telling you? If you want Jesus to come back, share your testimony. Tell somebody about Jesus. Share the love of God. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus is sitting there and He's talking about the coming of the Son of Man. And they talk about all these things. About how there's going to be disease, and there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be all these things that happens. Matthew 24.14 it says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then, if you want Jesus to come back, how many of you are preaching? I'm not talking about you got to be up here in a suit. I'm not talking about you got to be the guy on Sunday morning. I'm talking about that word preach, if you go and look at it, is to proclaim the goodness of Jesus. That's what the word means, is just to proclaim. How many of you are proclaiming at your job what God's done? You want to see people get saved? Don't tell them, well, go see my pastor. Hey, why don't you show up to church? Why don't you just tell them your story? Your story. If we'll start sharing our testimony, there's power in our testimony. Because there's power in what Jesus has done in your life. You don't know who you can impact. I tell you, I've been places, and, and, and for some people, you know, sharing my testimony about how God delivered me from drugs. For some other people, it's, it's just telling them about how God brought me out of Detroit. For some people, it's just, it's just t- sitting and listening to them. And then there's some people I may not be able to reach, but you can. Because of your story. The Samaritan woman had a story. Peter and John had a story. Paul had a story. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, 11, we've been made overcomers by the power of the blood and the word of our story. What's your story? What has Jesus done in your life? I'm going to ask you, 
What can you do to share with somebody else? The preacher, man, I just, I hadn't, I hadn't done what you told me. I haven't been sharing my story. I haven't been sharing my testimony. And you'd like me to pray for you to have the boldness that Peter and John, the boldness that Paul, the boldness that a Samaritan sinner had. I'm going to tell you something. If we hold it in, if we say, hey, I'm saved, that's good enough. Man, how many people are going to die lost and go to hell? I can't hold it in. There's too many of these ladies. There's too many young men just like them out on the street. They need to hear the good news of Jesus. You need to take your story to your co-workers, to your family, to the streets, to the cashier at Walmart. Tell somebody about Jesus. There's not a church in our community that ought to be empty or have empty seats on a Sunday morning because there's enough lost people out there. Blessed are the feet of those that share the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed this message and would like to know more about this ministry or consider supporting, please visit teenchallengeuc.org.